Hello, and welcome to another Light Reading Podcast. My name is Phil Harvey, and I am an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser, and I'm also an editor at Light Reading. And I'm James Crawshaw, an analyst with Omdia. James Crawshaw, how are you, sir? Very good, thanks, Phil. How's it going down there? Good. It's uh, we're, we're on the um, sort of the, the kinder end of summer, so as we get into September... Uh, you know, summer for, for us in Texas only lasts like three more months. So, so we're very excited <laughs> about this. Yeah. In North Carolina, we have like false fall, second summer, hell's front porch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we, all the seasons. We're, we're very lucky to have had uh, a, a very pleasant summer this year in Britain where I'm based. So uh, Good. I uh, enjoyed some of the uh, the sunshine you guys are, are used to. Yeah, yeah, we did. We uh, I noticed that the that it, you had a, had a little bit of a heat wave there from time to time, but it wasn't uh, too terribly long and and arduous, I guess. Oh well, I I can't do the conversion to Fahrenheit, but when it gets to thirty degrees centigrade, Britain basically melts, and you know trains start coming off tracks and things like that. So uh, yeah, we're not we're not prepared for the heat. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's it's I I got to say it's we we get it every year, but it's not something people get used to. <laughs> um, let's see. So we're, we're uh, having you on to talk about uh, a new re- forecast and report that you've put together, uh, the telecoms IT market forecast report, and it covers from 2022 to 2027, which sounds so far out in the future, but it's really not. Um, and I, I immediately like have questions about kind of the the market size because all other parts of IT seem to be growing, you know, especially with the the advent of uh, more people moving things to cloud computing. So is the telecoms IT market, you know, that market that's specifically focused on, I guess, operations, billing, and those types of functions, is that growing as well? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's not historically been uh, a particularly high growth market. Uh, this sort of OSS and BSS space is fairly mature. Uh, but um, just really in the last year, it's sort of a, you know, even through the, the pandemic, when you might have anticipated a bit of a slowdown, because, for example, you know, if you can't get on site, how do you implement an IT project? Well, it seems like companies had no trouble doing that remotely, and uh, and in fact they've continued to to deliver IT projects remotely even after you know, travel has uh, has resumed. Um, and I guess the other positive thing for the market has been you know operators have really wanted to up their game in terms of you know this whole making the customer experience more digital and more streamlined, and all of that is about improving these. BSS systems, to some extent, the OSS systems, and of course the the other stuff on top, you know, the websites, the smartphone apps, um, and so really that's what's you know, driven the driven the market. And you know, over the last, I mean, I've been looking at this space since about 2016, uh, and as I say, it was fairly pedestrian, low single digit growth. But uh, just in the last year, you know, we've seen one of the bigger players, Amdocs, you know, really break out into high single-digit growth. I mean, we're still not, uh, we're still not talking hyper growth here, but you know, they're they're looking at eight percent growth 
uh, in their business. And for many years, it was trundling along at 2%. And to be honest, a large amount of that 2%, I think, was driven by acquisitions. But, you know, we're getting to sort of 8% organic, and they they feel confident this is going to go for a few more years, you know, and they're one of the big players. Other smaller companies, uh, it's, it's more mixed. I guess the companies that um, are not yet really enjoying this this boom, or at least it's not evident in their financial reports, are the big network equipment companies, so Nokia and Ericsson. They they play in this market too. It's sort of bundled in along with all of their mobile core and various other bits and pieces that they that they sell. Uh, and uh, and those, those sort of digital services businesses, as they call them, they're they're still pretty flattish. But uh, yeah, Amdocs uh, is doing well. I think uh, NEC talks quite positively about Netcracker uh, as well. So they're, they're some of the big players in that space, and growth growth has certainly accelerated. And it's a what a, overall it's like a thirty billion plus market. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we think so. We we do a sort of um, a bottom up model. So we try and work out what the revenues are of all of the the major players. And there's a long tail. I mean, we we track, we try to track, uh, or or estimate the revenues of around a hundred companies. But it's really the top ten that make up probably forty percent of the revenue. And then, as I say, there's a long tail. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's what we uh, that's what we get to as our as our estimate about thirty billion dollars. Okay. Yeah, it looks like from the report that um, the was mentioning that one of the fastest growth segments would be analytics tools. Can you talk a little bit about why um, you know service providers want to invest in that area? Yeah, sure. So I have a colleague, Ros Roisborough, who focuses specifically on that analytics space. And I guess bundled in there, you've got this AI topic. You know, everybody's been very excited about the potential of applying AI to solve problems or spot patterns. Um, and, the, and they still are. You know, the the, the hype is, is somewhat faded, but the, you know, the, the real applications of AI uh, are, uh, are being being deployed. And it's just a newer, a newer space. So um, there are some sort of general IT companies that, that provide analytics tools, um, but uh, there's also some specialists uh, that, that focus just on the telecom vertical, and uh, they're all growing pretty fast. And that's you know that's what we're seeing when we're, we're talking to the individual companies and trying to track their revenues. It's a smaller part of the overall market, um, and of course AI and analytics is also baked into OSS and BSS systems. So where, where we try to break out analytics tools is where it's a sort of standalone software product and not just an analytics capability that's baked into, uh, you know, service assurance or charging or whatever it is. Uh, so it's uh, small, but uh, perfectly formed and fast growing. That's getting to be a, a harder thing to do with, especially with software products is break, breaking up where, where one cat- classic category begins and another ends, that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. We go, you know, we go round and round in, in circles talking to all of the vendors, and each one looks at this space in a, in a unique way, with themselves at the center and everything right. structured the way their business is. And so you end up having forty different conversations about taxonomy, and then we just keep it simple. We just OSS, BSS, analytics. And uh, we do try to sort of peel the onion within that, but uh, it gets harder and harder. 
Yeah, we've tried we've tried to uh, put creative uh, labels on the sector from time to time at the top of Light Reading's homepage, and each time it's met with uh, confused advertisers or readers saying, "Don't you guys cover OSS BSS anymore?" You know, I'm like, "Yeah, but we're trying to call it something else." Well, don't do that. We we don't know what it is. You know, so uh, oh, yeah, as I much as they that. want to move on, they still want to talk. They still want to mm-hmm. label it and categorize it. You know, the old way. Yes, well, I did like Spit. That was something that ran for a few years. Service provider IT um, might yeah, have gone down, <laughs> gone down so well with the sponsors, but um, that was one of our worst ideas. But also the best, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Depends on who you ask. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess um, we we run into this issue in in, in any you know in any market that uh, in order to differentiate and keep fresh, you have to come up with new terminology. And that does mean that we waste a lot of time trying to figure out what exactly do you mean by orchestration? And then after about, you know, three hours, three weeks, three years, however long it takes, you say, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's all that provisioning stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Um, so, yes, there's a lot of um, old wine and new bottles. And uh, we, we, we like plain and simple terms because we're plain and simple analysts. There we go. Uh, let's see. W- one other question. Kelsey, do you have anything before I jump into cloud stuff? Oh, yeah, that was kind of where, where I was headed. So go ahead. <laughs> oh, I, it was just the idea of, you know, having dealt with a couple of these companies in the past, you know, they were very much in the, um, uh, you know, at, at best, they were private cloud companies, but they like to keep the IT side of what they did very tightly controlled and tightly managed. And there's a huge push, you know, in every other fact, facet of IT to go to the public cloud. Um, so I'm curious as to, you know, what the uh, what the appetite is for the sector in terms of moving what as much of what they do to the to the public cloud. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that the software vendors are definitely open to it. Um, they, Some of them are going as far as to build their applications natively on a particular public cloud. So using the, the database or the uh, analytics that, that's, that's provided by an AWS or an Azure or Google or whoever, um, that, of course, then ties you into that cloud. Uh, so if you're trying to sell to a telecom operator that says, no, nah, I don't like Google, you know, they don't have a good presence in my country or whatever, uh, you're stuck, you know, because you, you've built it natively on that platform. So, you know, most of them are still um, creating their software in a way that it, it can be deployed agnostically on, on any public cloud or indeed on the operator's own private cloud. Um, and what we're seeing is that the operators are, are very keen uh, to, to have the option of deploying on public cloud, but in practice, most of the time, they're still deploying this software on their own in their own data centers, albeit in a nice cloudified way with perhaps Red Hat or VM software you know, managing the applications. Uh, but they're they're still wanting to to keep control. Some bits they're happy to you know, uh, shove into public cloud. The more customer facing stuff, uh, websites, smartphone apps, uh, and they're experimenting with with BSS and to a lesser extent OSS. Um, and the the survey work we've done suggests that yes, they'll they'll increase, but it's you know, the majority will stay uh, in their own private clouds for uh, for the foreseeable future. 
Interesting. Uh, and I also noticed in the report, there's a, a section on recommendations. So um, do you have any <laughs> thoughts on, or maybe I'm looking at um, last year's as well, but just some recommendations for service providers in um, migrating to using more um, SaaS services, uh, moving away from some of their um, traditional legacy systems and, and how they can pick out uh, you know, new software moving forward. Mm. Yeah. I mean, SaaS, uh, it's certainly for something like CRM, Salesforce, you know, they've, they've proved the concepts, uh, it works and we're all consuming that, that application as SaaS. Um, other systems, um, you end up finding that the operators will often want to make some slight tweaks. So they're trying to get away from customization, but uh, they're perhaps not prepared to accept a completely generic solution that is multi-tenant. They still might have concerns about uh, their data accidentally ending up in the wrong place. And so they they don't necessarily want multi-tenant uh, solutions. They're quite happy to consume software as a managed service, but not as a true multi-tenant uh, SaaS application uh, is what we're seeing. And in terms of um, you know recommendations, well, you know, of course, if if budget were no no uh, constraints, uh, you know, go ahead and do it. But but budget is is a constraint, so they have to manage this this transition uh, gradually. They have to retire legacy applications and replace them with newer ones, consolidate applications. You know, we're still seeing mergers and acquisitions in the industry. And when that happens, you, know, you end up with a, an IT headache of, of multiple billing systems and, and whatnot. So there, it's an ongoing uh, challenge. And uh, generally, these challenges outlive, outlast the uh, the tenure of a CIO, they might last uh, three years in a company, and it's very hard to to change much in a big telco's IT stack uh, in three years. So, you know, hopefully the guys uh, underneath the CIO who do last a bit longer manage to affect some some real change. When we're looking at, um, you know, obviously the, I guess the focus on, especially in North America, is on getting 5G deployed and, you know, uh, all the stuff that goes along with that. Um, is there any uh, opportunity to, because one of the selling points of 5G was to, you know, people would create new services once they get, get a hold of this, uh, you know, this new network. Is there any opportunity on the IT side that's kind of a leading indicator that this is going to happen? Because it seems like to create a new service, you, you would you would expect that that market would um, uh, would be excited by you know the service creation, the new new billing structures, uh, you know maybe a new business model, that sort of thing. Um, mm. I'm just curious to see if 5G's actually had a knock on effect to, you know, all the way to the software layer of uh, the big telcos? Um, not really, to be honest, Phil. Uh, I mean, if anything, the IT is is a, is a lagger, uh, or, or a laggard, rather. Um, so you'll get the, the build-out of the new technology, fiber to the home, 5G, whatever it is. Um, and then as the service is um, becomes more popular and like, I don't know, then, then, then is when you might start to invest in, in the IT to, to support it better. So, for example, a service assurance system typically only gets invested in 
when, when customer complaints uh, rise, and that only happens when uh, your network is being heavily used. So no, we're not seeing any leading indicators. We do obviously hear from the vendor community that they, they bang the 5G drum a lot. You know, 5G is a reason why you must invest in a new charging system, and possibly that's yeah. true. <laughs> but uh, you know, the, you don't need to refresh everything to support 5G. Um, well, that, that's what I was going to ask too. Is like the other side, the, the other thing they usually finish that sentence with too is like because you're going to be connecting to all these IoT devices, and I I still don't see that the IoT market has even accelerated that much in the last five years. So I'm 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 curious as to whether whether the the arrival of this new network has actually unlocked anything at all, except for you know just just people doing the same thing they were doing before, but maybe a, a little more efficiently. Yeah, I mean, just just on IoT, um, I mean, the, the number of con- connected devices does continue to rise. Um, it, it seems to be largely driven by China and you know, uh, closed circuit TV and things like that. Um, it's not really moved the needle revenue-wise for many telecom operators. Maybe it's sort of 2% of Vodafone or Telefonica's revenue. Um, and perhaps it's growing faster than the overall business, but still, you know, the growth is not enough to really uh, move the needle. Um, and um, so, yes, yeah, so IoT hasn't, uh, you know, hasn't transformed the, the business model. You know, people now, I guess, are, are clutching at the next straw, which is the metaverse. You know, is there a play for the operator in the metaverse? Uh, you know, I personally don't don't see it, um, but um, you know, I remain hopeful that the, there's there's some sort of new opportunities for for telecom operators out there. Um, and even if they're not, you know, it's a huge industry with a a key role to play just as you know supplying electricity is and uh and so i think there's uh, there's still a lot of interesting um uh, change going on and uh and it's a, it's a it's a big industry big market to follow it still keeps me uh, stretched and I, i'm learning new stuff all the time so mm-hmm. <laughs> i still enjoy it <laughs> good to hear uh, Kelsey, anything else? Yeah, I was just uh, looking again at, at last year's report, and it um, said that a lot of Tier 2 and Tier 3 operators feel kind of underserved by the bigger OSS, BSS vendors. Has that changed at all, and, and, and why is that the case? Do they just not see them as you know, big enough dollar signs or what's going on there? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that each operator will be uh, a project will be, you know, an equal amount of work, but obviously if you're selling to a, a tier two or T3, there's, there's less dollars attached to it. So, um, you know, those, those guys, they, um, they tend to be uh, less demanding. They're happier to have um, tier two vendor support. So the tier one vendors go after the tier one operators, but there's a, a tier two and a tier three of vendors. Uh, so there's opportunities for them too. And, um, you know, I, I think in the last year's report, I, I put in a, a suggestion, a recommendation to vendors that they try and you know address this tier two, tier three uh, operator market with a SaaS product, which, um, which allows them to cost effectively serve those customers. But I actually got some... Um, um some you know um comments back saying that um even for small vendors 
trying to sell to small operators was a hiding to nothing that it was a, a lot of work and and they mm-hmm. yeah they didn't get they didn't get rewarded so even the smaller vendors are telling me that they they still go after the big elephants mm-hmm. because um as you say that's where the dollars are yeah do you think the uh the hyperscalers will eventually just subsume that market entirely because they seem to be able to sell you know software based products to everyone uh, I, I, not, not really. No, I mean they. On the whole, their their strategy is to provide the underlying infrastructure and to be agnostic as to the applications that run on top. Um, you know, my, Microsoft has bought a few um, telco software components, but they're not really you know pushing that particularly aggressively. I think they've taken the the. Uh, intelligence of the people who, who built those software products and applied that to making their platform more attractive to host your telco network functions on. Um, so they're not really pushing the software, they're pushing the infrastructure. And I think that still remains remains the play. Um, no, I think there are, in terms of uh, new entrants, if you call them new entrants, companies that are, are moving that are very strong in the general enterprise IT market and are becoming stronger in this telco-specific IT market, I would highlight Salesforce and ServiceNow as as ones to watch. They're companies that are taking their solutions. And in some cases, they're adding bells and whistles to make them more relevant to telcos, and uh, and they seem to be gaining, gaining traction. Yeah, ServiceNow is interesting in that space. Um, they're definitely... Uh trying hard to become part of the telco uh, workflow. And it makes sense too, because telcos have been, uh, let's say deficient in terms of customer support and being able to reach their customers, you know, through digital means, mobile phones and that sort of thing. And so that's where ServiceNow, ex, um, you know, sort of built their business. So um, that's the, the workflow providers seem to work really well in that space. That seems to be a good marriage for telecom in general. Yeah. Any other area, any any big areas of growth to look forward to, or do you think it's just going to be? Um, I mean, we've talked about the market size as far as that uh, as that goes, but do you? Uh, since you're not really excited about the metaverse, do you think? Do you see things <laughs> just kind of happening as more of a more of a shift to public cloud, and that's kind of where the market goes, and so there'll be some changes, but not really growth. I'm kind of curious as to um, what's the new 5G on the horizon, <laughs> the thing that everybody's <laughs> going to get excited about and re-architect their networks to accommodate. Yeah, so I mean, it, as you say, it is it is um, increasing use of public cloud. It's uh, increasingly moving to SaaS-based solutions, and I mean, what, everybody's trying to solve this industry-wide problem of finding a way for, to help the telcos grow. So whether that's, you know, B to B to X, so that the telcos can um, tap into an ecosystem of partners and become a platform and all of these sort of ideas. People are throwing these these ideas around and trying to facilitate, to help the operators to, to create a new opportunity. The industry is, is hungry for growth. Um, and if, uh, if any software company manages to crack that problem, then not only will they become a unicorn, but they they'll they'll join the ranks of the of the fangs. That sounds exciting. So we'll see if that if that comes 
uh, to fruition. In the meantime, uh, we will encourage everyone to go have a look at uh, uh, the new Omde report and forecast, Telecom's IT Market 2022 to 2027. Uh, the author is James Crawshaw. And James, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Kelsey. Thanks.